0: Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I am so excited because I have the pleasure of bringing to you a fantastic principal, podcaster, and man, really. It is a pleasure to get to know this gentleman, Dr. Martinez who is a principal out in Chicago. And we were connected through the Teach Better Podcast Network. And I am slowly getting to know more and more about his journey and his stories. I'm just eating it up. I can't wait to share more with you. So before I say too much, I want to thank you, Dr. Martinez, for being on the Inspire Podcast.
1: It is such an honor to be here, Joshua. You have an admirer from Chicago. Thank you for what you do. It is my honor to be here.
0: I'm so excited about this conversation, but before we dive into, you know, just your background and, and where you are currently and what you're doing with, in so many people's lives, I'd love to hear about your leadership journey.
1: Yes. Uh, so that is, uh, you know, that is something that begins when you're a child and you don't even know. When I was born, my father was 54 years old hmm. and uh, he had me outside of marriage and all the drama that comes with that. So he was uh, born in 1927. So he lived through the Great Depression. He was a World War II veteran. And when he, he only had a third grade education. So when he left the army, he was able to study by correspondence with the La Salle Institute of Chicago. And this is in Puerto Rico. By mail, he would send his classes, and they were translated into Spanish because he was not an English speaker. And uh, he was able to get some kind of certificate, and ended up as a as one of the first licenses in Puerto Rico as a CPA, certified public accountant, one of the very few that didn't have any formal education. So he said that his life changed when his boss or or someone who wanted to invest uh, in him give him a little golden book by dale carnegie that had all these principles for life and he said that before that he never thought about life success and, and and doing good for himself and all his life he told me about this old man dale carnegie and the golden book and i never listened or i thought i never listened I definitely didn't pay attention <laughs> because I was thinking other stuff. But it's so funny because eventually in my dissertation, I, I, I made a big deal about this Del Carnegie, who eventually I learned post, post-mortem, right? Like I, I wish I could tell my dad how much he influenced me. He opened the door for my leadership journey. Hmm. And he will talk about, you know, he had a child with his wife, that was 40 or 30 something when I was born, super, super much older. And he will always say, oh, look at your brother. He could have been much more, but you are going to, and he will tell me these this mad ideas of in life, you always have to aspire to be more and more and more and more, and more until you reach happiness like this he would call Benjamin Franklin and, (laughs) and all these things. And, and so I had this idea that at some point you reach that destination, even though with experience, I'm sure, you know, this life is a journey. You never finish doing anything. Right. As uh, in school, I always remember when I would get in trouble with my peers, they would say it's because you're always telling us what to do and when I would get suspended or I would get sent to the office for something that came out of like trying to address trauma the best way I could, the people I would hang out the most were the principal <laughs> or the dean. There was no assistant principal in the small schools I went, but there was always a dean because in the rough schools, you need to have the disciplinarian person. And I remember uh, this uh, Miss Massa, this, this, lady who was like tough as a rock but at the same time the most nurturing person you know like she would not yell but she would look at you when you disappointed her and you just didn't want to disappoint her you know it's not that you were you had fear it was like holy cow I disappointed this person so I started having these these thoughts about wanting to lead And I thought, oh, I want to be the governor of Puerto Rico. And then when I came to the United States, I want to be a representative. I want to be an elected official, or I want to be a community. And all those things didn't go anywhere. I decided to, I'm going to be a writer. I'm going to be a professor of literature and and give classes and, and write books. So, I went to college, came to grad school, and two things happened at the same time, literally one day from another. One day I failed my comprehensive master's exam. There was the literature from the 15th century to the 20th century in Latin America and Spain. And I failed terribly. Of course, I blame everybody and their mother, even though now I can say, hey, I should have studied more. And then the next day I receive a full ride to go to Northwestern and do a PhD in performance studies. Oh, wow. So I'm like, like torn apart because uh, I have failed a test I had to take again. And also I cannot accept a full ride to such a fancy, prestigious place because I have not done my due part so uh, of course I blame everybody and the system because uh, I could not accept that I was the one who should have done better. Mm-hmm. I ended up working in three hospitals in in the city of Chicago. I was first a database coordinator, so I was all day putting numbers, and one, another time was an office manager, which is probably the most awful one because I'm such a, a, a goof. <laughs> the thing I remembered the most that really started getting me thinking about system-wide thinking was when I had to deliver mail sandwiches and coffee to the physicians when they were taking their professional learning sessions. I remember them addressing them by Dr. So-and-so and the cardiologists will listen to the to the other specialists, or like there was always a atmosphere of I'm gonna listen to the experts, I'm gonna be quiet when I'm not the expert, and that was the first time that I started thinking, well, maybe I don't know everything, maybe it's not the fault of other people, maybe it's my fault, so all that keeps accumulating, and I decide that uh, I dislike being a administrators in hospitals is not where my heart is and there was an opportunity to become a teacher like in a fast track summer program because it's a high need of teachers in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. and I remember when I was in grad school the part that I enjoyed the most was not doing the research I was supposed to be doing But teaching my classes because in exchange for the master's program i had to teach two or three classes per 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 semester and my conversations with the students that were first and second year students the interaction the ability to teach you know it really gave me like like meaning for my life like there's so much need right of 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 supporting people and where they're at So I became a teacher. I was a Spanish teacher. And from the beginning, I knew that what I really wanted to be was a principal. So literally on the second year as a teacher, I already started doing another master's (laughs) to get my administrator license because I was the one that one of the few that began in the teaching profession because they wanted to be a principal because that influence that I had as a child, you know, the people that were really able to support me the principals or the deans. so that's what i wanted to do but you know when you're applying to be a teacher you don't put that in an application because nobody's going to hire you right and i remember my first year leaving the school thinking oh this school is terrible i'm such a great teacher and in my second year my principal called me on it and said listen i know you want to be an administrator but before you had to be a good teacher And after that, they asked me to leave. (laughs) So uh, it was in two high schools and I failed terribly, failed terribly. And then I couldn't find a job that summer. And my wife was pregnant and I was so concerned. And by chance, someone told me, oh, there's a middle school that has an opening. And I got that job. Mm. At that moment, I said, you know what? I'm gonna take this teaching thing seriously. And I had three successful years as a teacher that I feel so proud of. I improved in my practice. I took teaching seriously and even said, I'm, I don't want to be a administrator anymore. But that's when it called me. Because after the third year, administrator uh, that I had said, I want you to be an assistant principal here. It didn't work out there, but then another door opened. I ended up as an assistant principal. That first year, Joshua, I don't know how it was for you, but for me, was like a punch in the face. Oh, yeah. Same here. <laughs> right? Not because it was awesome team, awesome school. It's just my preconceptions of what a leader was, was absolutely someone who was on top of everything all the time, everywhere, uh, taking what everybody will say personal, not understanding that. You're the coach, you're there to elevate people. And if they insult you, don't take it personal because that's what you sign up for. You have to change the mindset with patience and not every day is gonna work out. In fact, most days it's not gonna work out. But I didn't know that by then. So I was having a very hard time. And then the, the pressure inside started getting out of order. I'm starting to learn more about it. I didn't, I didn't know I was suffering from it. The school is on a potential closing list because the mayor has decided to close 40 schools in the, in the city. And um, it, it, it was such a nervous thing. And by chance, a principal I had in another school where I was, when I decided I'm gonna be a good teacher, called me and i was so blessed so he said i want you to be my my second assistant principal i went to my second school i came from a school of 200 to a school of a thousand and wow what a difference and it was great experience on other side of the city it was a little bit tumultuous to be a principal to be an assistant principal in that school. There were transition. there's a lot of historical factors, uh, uh, people moving and, and coming in. It was a little bit tumultuous, but I dedicated myself to serve this principal. So I, I took the blows that this principal was taking while, while he was trying to improve the school. But I was always thinking, there has to be a better way, right? <laughs> like every school I go, there's always this Fight between teachers and administrators, and, and and people will say, "Oh, you moved to the dark side." Yeah, I spent there two years, and uh, a principal position came open, and it was in a fancy, gifted school, and I applied. And guess what, Joshua? I was one of the two finalists, and they did a forum, and a little bird called me the other candidate is so and so and so and so was a principal already with experience i was not a principal and his scores and numbers were to the roof all the right things so i immediately thought huh i am not the candidate of choice i'm just being invited so they can say oh definitely the other one (laughs) so i went to the forum and i find out the guy has dropped out because he accepted a job elsewhere the night before, hmm. so the LA, the the board, the local school council um, uh, had no other choice, and uh, they gave me the position. And Joshua, I spent there six years, but the first two years, oh, I failed terribly. <laughs> the first thing I did, and i, I it's not that I have shame. It's just that I have accepted my mistake was to take the handbook of the school and without consulting with anyone, I adapted the one I had in my previous school and other samples of the ideal handbook. And when I started presenting that to the staff, everybody was offended. And I can't understand why. You know, I came and changed the rules without talking to anyone, even though I thought that's what they teach me. They At least they taught me in grad school. Yep. So I was trying to do those things. And also with parents, it was not working out. What I would say, it would come across maybe the way I said it, maybe my mannerisms, but for two years on the road, uh, one year there was a parent demonstration and the news camera came. And the second year, another demonstration, this was connected to President Trump uh, policy of uh, against immigrants and the raids that were happening in Chicago, in the same community where I was the principal. I was called a discriminatory principal against Mexicans. I am Puerto Rican, I'm married to a Mexican. Mm-hmm. Uh, but having children asked me, is it true because they will they they love me you know like my students love me and they will ask me is that true what they're saying in the news and it was so devastating i thought about leaving the profession like disappearing from the end of the world because what the heck i'm doing in this
0: and dr martinez i know you were going through a very traumatic time not only at school but also in an event that occurred on your way to school if you don't mind i'd love for you to share about that experience and and how it affected you?
1: Yes, one day I'm driving to work. Um, it's late. I'm 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 gonna arrive like one minute before the school starts. How embarrassing! I'm upset. Uh, I'm super overweight. My blood pressure is to the roof, and I'm angry. I'm always angry, and I have to stop because I see a a landscaper truck on fire. And the first thing I think is, how can I move to the side so nothing happens to the car, right? Like, I just see a car on fire. But suddenly, a man comes out running from the part of the, of the landscaper. They have all these machines, you know, to cut the lawn, mow the lawn and stuff. And the guy comes running with his hands up, and his bottom on fire like they were pants. And like the explosions happening. Like the first thing I think is like, I am not going to see my children anymore. Mm-hmm. And then what felt like uh, four minutes, I started calculating, okay, if I get out of the car here, I can help him. And I don't know, from one second to another, I get out of the car and I tell the guy, throw your... like I kind of push him to the floor and I started using my hands and I noticed that it's not like in the movies. Mm-hmm. It's not like you pat and the fire is gone. So the fire was not extinguished, and he was like like screaming of pain. So I took out my, my jacket and I started like 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 hitting him and that worked. You know, that was that like that was like um like a miracle. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, this worked because in that moment it's not okay, what else is gonna work? Uh so I call 911, somebody already had a call. I I am talking to the guy, and he's saying, Oh, maybe I can go and like the guy is like like half burnt. And he's saying, Maybe I can go save some of the machines. And that's that's where like you start thinking, wow, like like you have to have empathy for people mm-hmm. because it's not saving those machines just because it's because. This is this is how they, they live, you know. This is their bread and butter. Right. Um when they, they interview me uh right there. Um they, they say you're good to go. So I'm thinking, okay, let me go to work. Everybody is like, what happened to you? You know, you're all dusty. And I'm like, oh, there was a fire on the other side, and and they send me home, you know, like I um passed out in the school, my blood pressure was. To the roof, and a uh, series of other consequences happened. I decided to take a medical leave because I felt like I couldn't handle the the pressures of the job because I didn't know I was dealing with um, a chronic PTSD.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: and that is something that people people say, but usually we we don't know what it is, right? But I can describe it as like a little creature that in the moments where you're supposed to be the happiest it just cripples you. And it's quite a, a difficult journey that with time and experience, I've been able to to tame, not overcome because still I have days that I'm like, okay, today is a mental health day. There's no way I can change the world today. Um, and um, that drove me to to start thinking about what i'm going to do with my life i'm going to continue in this leadership and dealing with mental health and um i took i went to a therapist who gave me edmr uh, therapy that is something with um, um elect- uh, electricity and your eyes and sensory and wow, that thing works like magic. And I went home and this is the, the, the best investment I did. I took a plastic plate and I started writing the names of everybody that have heard me in my life. Hmm. All those people that were dancing in my memories for years on a dress. Every single name I wrote Joshua from when I was a kid, even the people, oh, that guy that happened in that day of the park. Sometimes you don't know the name, but but I wanted to identify each one. And then I turned that paper plate around and I wrote the names that I knew in my heart of all the people that I hurt. Because I realized I also have to do that. Forgive myself for the mistakes I have committed and the combination of professional help. And really, I was able to address what was in my subconscious and make it conscious like Carl Jung says. And that's when things started to happen, Joshua. I was able, like Martin Luther King says, I was able to see the mountaintop, And that really stuck with me because I was able to see And learn, like Epictetus says, that emotions are things that happen to me and they are not what define me. And from there, I went from the most hated principal to principal of the year, Joshua. Hmm. The school got all the recognitions available. We were able to transform a place where people were cursing meetings. To people like hugging and doing celebrations of, of being united. And it was not about me doing, but it was about me embracing everyone, meeting everywhere where they're at. You cannot have someone who scores 45 points every game. You need your center, your forward. You need the people on the sidelines that can come in and cover. You need even the the water person. You need every person in that team and meet them where they're at so they can be one person better tomorrow. Yeah, And that formula has worked, Joshua. That's that's my summary of my leadership journey.
0: It's quite the journey, Dr. Martinez. And... I want to mention that the Chicago Sun-Times did a, an article on everything that you spoke on, for the most part. It was beautifully written, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes for people to access that if they want a little bit more information. But I want to talk about you on the other side, right? You, you mentioned PTSD and the trauma that was not only experienced with the fire, but then also some things that were uncovered from your past experiences, and you talked a little bit about, you know, some of the techniques that you use to kind of work through, you know, kind of the coping skills of that. I was wondering if there's anything else that you did during that time, or maybe you still do, to help the listeners through mental health. Because I know right now it's, it's a difficult time. I know a lot of people have experienced trauma in their life through the pandemic, or maybe it's something in their childhood that they're dealing with now. But I know as a leader, we get in this this rut, right, where we don't have enough time or we don't feel like we can take away from the building and get away to, to work on our mental health. But I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing just some strategies that you use that worked. And like you said, it didn't cure you, but has it, it helps you get through this tough time.
1: Yes. Uh, I have found productivity to be a great tool for success in life. So how can you improve your mental health 1% better every day and combining productivity? So for example, if, if you decide to plan your day and you write when you're going to do things, things that you want to happen are going to happen. So mental health is just like a muscle that you work in the gym. You need to really work it out. And the more, more you work it out, the more tone is going to be, the better quality of life you're going to have. So the first recommendation is absolutely is to sit down and meditate just for one minute. Just go to YouTube and and Google and, and, and search for one minute meditation. If you're able to sit down and give yourself that minute of grace to concentrate only in your breathing, only in that, then what is going to happen is that your body's going to self-regulate. You're going to be able to realize, wow, this feels good because it's that you're giving a massage to yourself in terms of your well-being. You're able to really concentrate yourself and give yourself that value that you matter at much more than your job, your career, and all those endeavors that you put so much interest your social media, like you give all this stuff. And if you can give yourself one minute, you're able to get there. Another recommendation is other mindful activities like walking, like yoga, playing video games, like anything that can take your mind and make you wonder. Because when you wonder, you give your brain a break. Like think about it. You're always working, and you have a, a deadline. Some someone that you have to convince or persuade. Someone you need to teach. You're always solving problems, always. But if you're able to master that one minute of your of your of your life, one minute, then you're able to master everything because you really realize that you have the power inside you. You're just not using it. It's not your fault. We have not been taught how to use it.
0: So I know through your journey, you've learned more about emotional intelligence, especially through your different experiences. So I want to know a little bit more about that term. I've heard it before, but I'd love to learn a little bit more about, you know, what you've learned through your experiences with emotional intelligence. And then also, how have you used that as a principle?
1: Yes. So I stumble on emotional intelligence by chance so uh when i was terribly failing that second year as a principal i decided okay instead of quitting i have never i have never been a quitter instead of quitting i'm gonna get myself in a doctoral program to get even busier (laughs) (laughs) and uh, i knew i wanted to write something to improve my practice so for example i have peers who have awesome dissertations for example on curriculum and instruction or social emotional learning and awesome topics and you know every it's like everybody has but uh, an interest but my interest was about improving me as a principal that was the whole purpose I told my family if I'm going to invest all this money and time it's going to be to save to save my career so I can you know, be the dad I want to be and the spouse, etc. So in one of the classes, a professor said this, quote, emotional intelligence has been determined as the sine qua non of leadership. And Joshua, like a Jerry Maguire moment, the professor got me a sine qua non. <laughs> I went online and Google sine qua non, what the heck is that? Is the essence of leadership. So I say, wow. So if emotional intelligence is that, I need to find that out, and I can summarize it like this: emotional intelligence. There's all these schools, just like everything, right? This school says uh, they like it more on this side, another right. But in in the one that I learned from Daniel Goldman, is divided in five categories. Emotional intelligence is the ability to understand and being able to manipulate your emotions. The first characteristic is to be self-aware, right? So for me, how I apply that to my life was like, okay, you know what? If I'm going to address a condition that is limiting the quality of my life, I need to understand it. So I self-reflected by journaling, I self-reflected by tweeting, by blogging, by podcasting, by talking to my wife, talking to my friends, by getting it out of that bottle and writing it down. Number two, self-regulation. So once you are able to identify what is bugging you, like, oh, you know, I don't like how she looked at me, well, I don't like how my dad did, right? So you need to do something to regulate it. So if you are upset, do something that distresses you. So I love to do, for example, FIFA University. I play a soccer game, zero volume, while listening to a podcast like Team Ferris or Sam Harris and learning something geeky that is going to me, is going to make me a better person. And let me tell you, for me, is the one of the best self-regulation things I can do. But also the art of meditation, the art of doing creative endeavors. I have recently, one of my episodes recently, I I talked about using podcasting as an artistic venue. That writer I wanted to be, I didn't, there was no podcasters before, right? People that don't necessarily have to write what they're going to say. It's like, like a different type of poet, So that is, there's so many other things that you can do. Of course, number three, motivation. You need to be able to motivate yourself so you can motivate others. So what do you do? Like today, as I'm entering the school, I put Kiss by Prince, you know, and that guitar gets you in the mood and you go and and you, you are like Patch Adams. Like you are the principal. You are like, you're like, Todd Whitaker says, if the principal sneezes, the school catches a flu. So you have to be very motivated. Number four, empathy. My gosh, as a principal, this is what they do. Like This is what we do as an assistant principal, as anyone in leadership. We are serving others, right? And the people that you are serving, if they feel that you can understand then what they're going through and that you sincerely care for them they're going to give you their best but if they know that you're like "Uh uh uh-huh uh-huh thank you very much i hope you feel better and doing like that then no wonder schools are not succeeding because people don't feel that people care for them we are human beings that was makes that's what makes us human and finally you combine all those skills and convert them in social skills right? Like you think about things like anticipation, like, hmm, if I say this in the meeting, how is that domino effect going to happen? Hmm, Maybe I can tweak this or maybe I should consult with this teacher. Or you can practice mirroring techniques in order to best engage those reluctant learners or a faculty that needs a little bit of more support. Like, There's so much to learn from um, Chris Boss, this FBI negotiator, because we are all day negotiating to bring the best for students. So if you're a boxer, you train as a boxer, right? If you're a golfer, you train as a golfer, but as leaders, as as principals and assistant principals, we need to learn the art of communication in order to truly persuade people. And like Dale Carnegie says, you catch more bees with honey.
0: This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Dr. Martinez, you've mentioned it, I've mentioned it also, but we connected with the Teach Better podcast network, which you are a part of now. We've been celebrating the last couple days on social media about that. We're so excited about you joining the network. But as far as if there's any listeners that haven't listened to your podcast, what is that all about? And why did you start a podcast?
1: Yes. uh, So let me address first the the value of Teach Better. This is how awesome it is. We are all in our own schools and districts and states. And this profession of being educators is always being uh, berated by non-educators, right? Uh, laws that we have to do are not done by educators, right? And and, and, and the reality is that if we don't value our profession of educators. We are doomed to stop existing, right? And if we are going to really uh, support this generation to be better, to address the problems that we have facing us and the problems that we don't know yet, right? We need to really up our game in learning. So every member of the Teach Better community is that person in that district that is always trying to do it better, right? And to collaborate, so it's a great network to share ideas that are working in one place, and they might work in my place, or they might inform to improve the practice in another place because it helps you think and see things from a different perspective. So it's so I'm so honored to be part of this of this network. And I hope that I can always make everybody look great. This is how I'm gonna plan to do it. So I started this wisdom and productivity podcast as a, as a, something I, I I felt I needed to do. I felt that that writer that I always wanted to be, right, needed to come out. And so I I um, I wrote a book proposal that it was rejected and and like. The great authors have been rejected hundreds of times and I'm rejected once and I'm already saying, ah, I'm never <laughs> going to be a writer. <laughs> I tried the blogging. I connected with the Awesome Teach Better blog team and writing takes so much from me. Yeah. And you know what? Like, like I love art. I love going to museums, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to paint, right? So the podcasting was born this way. There's a, a, a group with the Elementary National Elementary School Principals Association where Adam Welcome, Rachel George, and Andy Jacks uh, are leading the team. And all these people from around the nation are there. There are principals or assistant principals. There was one guy from, from Spain. So it was an international group. I don't know if there was someone from Canada. Um, but the first question Adam says, oh, so what you guys want to learn about? And I'm like, Dick. like when I went to school, I was sitting in front, always raising the hand, such a geek. And I'm, of course I do the same. And I said, you know what? I have these ideas and I would like to share. And he said, do it. Just like that. Do it. And and uh, I don't know somehow I felt oh now I have permission <laughs> you know like I realized that I was not giving myself permission to do what I wanted to do like I, like someone needed to tell me that so that was the first time I was like wow what if he didn't tell me I will still be in that in that la la land so I felt that was a great words of encouragement, of encouragement so I will always be thankful for for Adam to open that door. And why the wisdom of productivity is like this. I went to, when I was failing as a principal and as an assistant principal, I went to tons of conferences and I, I subscribed to all the magazines thinking that I was going to find the answer that I was looking for, which was why am I failing so bad in this leadership gig? And it occurred to me, when I started doing my doctoral studies and learning about emotional intelligence, that perhaps my type of personality was finding the the was going to the wrong places for the answers that I needed. So I decided to observe principles that I admire, like shadow them. So I asked my, my supervisor by then, and say, listen, instead of going to a conference of professional learning, I want to go and shadow two principals. And that was transformational. Like, wow. Like, I saw how they talked to their staff, how they look at them, how they smile, how charming they were, how helpful, how rigorous, while at the same time being decent. And I was like, wow, the, 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 the most impactful moment was when I was uh, in Charles Anderson school uh, in, in what is the name of the school? I forgot the name of the school, but it's okay. Um, and he has some shoes in his office just in case. And then he has a replica of the Pope's shoes, all red. And I say, oh, Charles, that is, those are the Pope's shoes. And he said, yes because sometimes you have to walk through these hallways like you're the pope and suddenly i understood what leadership was it was not that he meant the pope like, oh, look at me how popular i am but you are there to serve all voices and try to find uh, the magnanimity in every situation because you are the light. And whoa, like that was transformation in my life. And you know, not every year, and especially with the pandemic, you cannot be, oh, yeah, I'm going to spend a whole day a principal's uh, school shadowing him or her. And I said, what if I do similar, basically the same type of questions I will ask a principal doing in a show? Like, what are the things the the experiences your readings your lessons that make you who you are one number two what are your your habits and routines of success like we we see all these people that are like super uber successful sharing their their morning routines but we have real life heroes in all school districts and we have no clue about what makes them great. And that involves not being good at some things. Like, oh no, I forget to throw in the garbage. <laughs> you know, like 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 we are human and talking about being vulnerable and and, and talking about the real you. So other people can say, oh, how that's how that's how she does it or how how he does it. And number three the opportunity of being grateful, how many people have influenced you in your life. So some people talk about their spouses, their children, their teachers, their mentors, or all these people, and then they can share the episode. And say, hey, I thought about you, and you make someone smile. And, and that person can be having a, a, a very bad day. And you change your life and you did one good thing and when you do good things good things happen
0: we're going to pause for just a second as i ask you the listener have you ever wondered if you could be a leader in your school or in your district my book aspire to lead is available now as i share a practical guide for aspiring leaders to enhance your leadership capacity as we all know leadership is extremely difficult and getting that experience needed to advance can be a huge challenge In this book, you'll find the Aspire model, which is infused with stories of past failures and successes to guide with actionable steps to enhance your skills. In addition, you'll find fantastic resources and contributions from 11 influential leaders. You can find Aspire Lead on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart. If you have a chance to read the book, please take a moment to leave a review on any of the online platforms that you made your purchase. Now, let's get back to the interview. Dr. Martinez, you are providing so much wisdom and I, I love your transparency. If there's anyone out there that is looking to, you know, get some more knowledge from you, how may they connect with you on social media?
1: Yes. So I like to say I am a a good shark on Twitter. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: so uh, my uh, um, username or handle is uh, E of Elephant Martinez E-D-D um and uh, I also have a, the podcast wisdom and productivity if you google the instead of the n you put the sign of n it will come out just like that um I, I need to copyright that <laughs> uh, and uh also just um, uh, Google uh problematic principle in Chicago and my name is gonna come out uh, but that's good because um it's a it's a story of Uh, that you never stop learning.
0: It's so true. And Dr. Martinez, I'm so excited to see you soon at Teach Better 22. We're going to be on podcast row together, and I can't wait for that event. Uh, To meet you in person is going to be a fantastic day, and I can't wait. I'm just so appreciative of what you're doing, not only in your community, but around the country, around the world, with your podcast, your speaking. You're just doing so many fantastic things, and it's just a true honor to have you on the Aspire podcast.
1: And uh, I'm I'm so uh, honored you you ask, you know uh, I absolutely would love to have you on my. I mean, you, uh, author, you have like class, like like hey, there's tons to learn from you, and I love that. Aspire, right? Like like oh my god, what a what a great concept. So hey, you know you keep doing the great things, man. Your podcast has opened doors to people like me. So thank you so much. Thank you, my friend.